you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. Ken also has owned his own construction company for over 30 years. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time, taking your calls, questions, and comments. Questions about your home, inside or out, at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also be part of the show by emailing us questions. Forward those questions to KenTheContractor.com. The building industry is changing in the sense of supply and demand. And I'm constantly asked about building situations for many of you, both calling the show as well as emails that I receive. Questions like, what's ahead for new home construction? Will prices be stable? Will I be able to build my custom home in a timely manner? You know, all of these are appropriate questions in these still fairly uncertain economic times across the United States. And unfortunately, I'm going to give you my opinion based on experience of what I'm seeing out there, but unfortunately, I think we're in for some fairly difficult times in many ways when it comes to new home construction and remodeling and even obtaining products that we're accustomed to seeing sit on the shelf and be readily available, as well as those services of plumbers, electricians, air conditioning contractors, and so forth. And I want to talk for a few moments about where we are nationwide in this recovery and how it can impact our plans as we go forward, all of us looking to build or remodel. For that matter, just buying some products to do home repairs with. Now, recently, Builder Magazine uh, took a poll from many builders nationwide, and a lot of them from uh, varying parts of the country, from Pennsylvania to Texas, Ohio, were actually quoted in Builder Magazine. And I want to tell you, they didn't call me, but had they done so, they would get the same kind of answer that people in these parts of the country are addressing. And for the consumer, it's not all good news. It's even worse if you happen to be a builder, but it's not great. First, during the downturn, most builders, and I will tell you, builders and developers are in the same boat, suppliers, people that do subcontract work, again, air conditioning, electrical, plumbing, all of these businesses had a tendency to downsize their workforce. And as the economy is coming back, it's typical of any business or industry across the country. We're saying now we have to do more, and we're going to do it with no more people than we currently have. While that's not bad, necessarily it makes us as individuals perhaps a little more productive. It makes the companies a little more profitable. It means that we are catering to more customers, and we have to do that to make our businesses work. But at some point, you just run out of time during the day to make that work. As our markets pick up, the big concern that I've had, and I've said this on the radio before, is that vendors... As well, meaning the supply houses as well as subcontractors that are out there are going to be reluctant in the short term to increase production if they're a manufacturer or to scale up and hire employees to be able to cater to the demand in the marketplace. And that's because there's still a degree of uncertainty in whether this recovery is permanent, whether it can be sustained, and most businesses do not want to ramp up only to have to lay people off again and to change their entire workforce. 
how does this impact you as the consumer? Well, the supply and demand has an awful lot to do with pricing and availability of products. So when we see that we may have a limited supply because manufacturers do not ramp up the output, and yet we are consuming more two-by-fours, more drywall, more electrical outlets, more copper wiring, more air conditioning units, if they can't keep up with the demand, we're going to find some supply houses that have shortages. And if they do, we may be waiting a little bit longer to get that product. Our subcontractors or suppliers may be delayed in performing the work on our home. And in my opinion, it's going to be somewhat inflationary. And many builders see that the same way. The reason it's inflationary is because of supply and demand. If there's more pressure on copper wiring, more pressure on air conditioning units from a manufacturer, more pressure on lumber producers and the mills, what we're going to see is the price goes up because the ability to supply those warehouses comes down uh, and that diminishes. So we're going to pay more. We're going to wait longer for it. It's clearly going to be, to some degree, inflationary. Now, the elimination also of what many in the development world call A&D loans, acquisition and development loans, and the fact that we've had a mass employee exodus from the industry are also concerns of builders and developers nationwide. There are people that have spent many years in the construction industry, but because of the downturn, they have pursued other careers. They're now in other fields, whether it's high-tech or automobile manufacturing or something else that has clicked and picked up recently, maybe in the services industry. So we have fewer people to fill those positions of builders and subcontractors alike. The elimination of these A&D loans that I talk about mean that we see fewer properties that have money available to develop raw land, putting in the infrastructure, the sewer, the water, the roads, so that there are individual home lots available. If we don't have individual home lots available, if they are dwindling in number, the lot that you paid X for last year or five years ago, now you're going to pay Y times two, perhaps. I mean, it may be double what you paid a few years ago. It is supply and demand. So nationwide, we are seeing this in a recent poll, as I said, done by Builder Magazine and from contractors all across the country. Why do I bring this to your attention? Because, folks, again, if you're thinking about building a home or putting an addition on, it's going to be good for you to do several things that I always remind you of. One, obtain multiple prices. But you may find it more difficult to obtain those as these builders become busier and busier. It's going to take fewer jobs for them to reach their peak capacity because they have reduced their staff and their ability to produce large volumes of work in most cases. So try and obtain at least three bids out there. Talk to the builder. Think ahead yourself that if you're going to build something you want to be in in six, seven, eight months, you need to start now in many locations. You Maybe you needed to start a few months ago. You may need to allocate a year for this home in some parts of the country. So be talking to those builders now. Get your name in their work schedule do this in a time frame where you're not pushed. There's not a panic button uh, that you, somebody has clicked and said, I have to do this immediately. Be sure you have ample time, and time also equates to money. So if you can give the builder a little more time, you can work with any potential delays and products that are coming up, you're going to find you'll do yourself a favor. You're still going to get in at a very decent price. You're going to work with a quality builder, and you're going to get all the products that you select but again, the industry today is headed, I think, towards a fairly inflationary stage and shortages of personnel as well as some materials if we continue on the trend we are now. And I hope we do. I hope this is upward for all of us nationwide. Well, you know, my short, limited experience with contractors, builders, there are two different time frames. 
There's the time frame that you and I have in the real world, and then there's the builders and contractors time frame. And oftentimes, they are two very different worlds. You could be on different planets almost, but some of that has to do with the builder understanding the supply chain, both personnel and products, and in the real world, most of us don't. I'm that way when it comes to cars. If I want to buy something, I expect it to be sitting there. I don't know that it takes X amount of time necessarily to have all these things manufactured and brought to the table. But the key thing that you talk about, if you want to do anything particularly major, give yourself the time. Because if you find yourself stuck and you find time becoming an element, that's often when you make mistakes that become costly. It really is. You can have anything done in a short period of time, but it costs you big bucks. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him by going to our website, KenTheContractor.com, or give him a call, 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach Ken at our contact number. That's 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, or a question that's important to today's homeowner. Let's go to the phone lines right now. Joining us right now is Michelle. She's got a bit of a sticky issue, to say the least. Hi, Michelle. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, guys. Hey, good Love morning. Your show. Thank you. Um, I just got my washing machine put in my basement, and I have an old work sink down there. And on the side of the work sink, which is currently what I'm using to drain the water out of the washer, there is a sump pump in that side of the sink, and there looks to be new PVC piping running up to a drain and going out a different drain. Well, I haven't been using that, and I'm wondering, is... Is it, it's not running out in the basement. It's not a problem with the sink. I've checked that. But is it possibly coming out underneath the house somewhere and causing damage? How should I check that, or should I just start using the sump pump? Letting the sink fill up and then using the sump pump to pump it up overhead. All right. Th- does the sink – I want to be sure I followed you correctly. I think I did. The sink discharges into the sump pump? The sump pump has been set up in one side of the sink. It's right. a two-sided work sink. Yeah, it's, and, a, it's actually in one compartment of the sink. It's not down yeah. in a sump or a hole in the slab. No, it's in the sink. Okay. And is when you look under the sink, is there a discharge drain tied into the wall or into the going into the floor slab? Yes. Okay, and the sink without the sump pump drains fine. You can turn the faucet on, water runs through. Yep. Your question is whether or not that sink is simply discharging directly through the slab into the stone under that slab or into a footing drain. Yes. And you're not seeing any signs of that when you've got soap suds coming through the dishwasher, uh, at least at this point, I assume. You know, that, no. That, that's going to be difficult for me to, to answer not seeing that, but the sump pump is there for a reason, and, and I'm really curious as to why. The sump pump is feeding overhead and then you're seeing it tied into lines that are exposed below your main floor. Right. Which tells me that somebody at some point wanted to get water out of there pretty rapidly and get it into the waistline. Are you on a, a county or city sewer or septic system? I'm in Stanton City. Okay. The house was built in 1951, and I can't find any of my older neighbors who have any idea why that was put in. Okay. Do your neighbors have basements, and if so, do they have drains in those basements or sinks that drain without any sump pump in place? They have basements. I haven't asked the other questions. See, in many cases, our basement floors are constructed below 
the elevation of the sewer laterals provided by the municipality or even in, in some cases the discharge for a septic system, which means you'd have to have a pump to lift water up right. at, the, at the floor level and get it back into the waistline. And that's what I'm, I'm puzzled about a little bit here is whether somebody put that ha- put that in that house before you purchased it saying that if I'm using a large volume of water, I'm just going to dish, I'm going to turn the pump on, I'm going to pump it up into the waistline and get it out of the sink. Because you may be right. The, the, the line going below that sink may be for somebody put it in to discharge just a small amount of water and not worry about the, in the day, not worry about the sump pump. Right. I think this is what I'd have to suggest to you that you probably are going to need to call a plumber out that can investigate that, somebody right. that, that has a, a skill set that can track this down. Because without seeing it, I understand your situation. Uh, going far enough back with the mindset of, of so many people across the country and the lack of environmental codes and ordinances, I could see 20, 30, 40 years ago someone saying, you know, I'm only going to run a teacup of water through this thing every few days. Uh, I will simply discharge it into my footing drain. Right. And that's not the proper yeah. way to do it. Okay, that's, that's what I was thinking, but I haven't used the pump. and kind of leery of it, but I'll just run the washing machine and then uh, watch it, sit yeah, there and watch it. Ask your neighbors, too. Inquire. Do you have a sink in your basement? If so, how does it drain, or do you have a, a, uh, a sump pump at that lower level? The other thing you might do is call the city public works department Give them your address and ask them if they could give you some indication of the discharge or the lateral for the waistline there, whether okay. it is deep enough to be lower than your basement floor. Now, they won't know elevations of your basement floor, but they might generally say, no, that line's only buried two feet below the top of the curb, in which okay. case, if your basement, uh, if you have a fully uh, depressed or, or below-grade basement, you, you're going to know that the floor is six, seven, eight feet below that curb line. Okay. That would Great. be at least some quick indication without spending any money. You might make that phone call. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for the call. Okay. Bye-bye. Michelle, we do appreciate it. Thanks. Sounds like a kind of a bizarre situation to deal with. Let's try to get in a mailbag question. And you can forward your mailbag uh, questions to Ken to our website, kenthecontractor.com. Dana writes to us from Virginia. She says, after a windstorm a few years ago, we had three galvanized metal roof panels replaced on our 1920s home. The installer painted the panels black to match the existing. Now the paint is peeling on the new ones. The old roof panels have been painted, have not been painted in about 10 years and still look good. Why is the paint flaking? Well, Dana, unfortunately, uh, you are raising a question that a lot of people are faced with. And many times people are doing things in a haphazard manner. And what I expect you're going to find is that these new panels were not properly prepped before they were painted. Now, the old have not been painted, you said, in about 10 years and are performing very well. Galvanized panels will have an oily film on them, and they have to be properly cleaned. Many people just put them in place and let them age naturally, and that allows rainwater and uh, to, and the sun. The rainwater obviously gradually cleans the panel. Uh, the sun and the, uh, the UV oxidizes the panel will oxidize and it has a rather flat finish instead of a shine to it and at that point it is much easier and certainly prepped ready to paint and bond and most of the old roofs around were just treated that way but new galvanized products again have an oily film on those they have to be properly cleaned and most people again will tell you most experts paint experts will tell you that you still want to use a primer on top of that and then apply the roof paint 
My guess is, and all I have is your email, is that this was not prepped properly. Certainly, had it been prepped and primed like it should be, you would not see the roof paint flaking and peeling in this short period of time. Again, the proof is in the fact that you have 10-year-old paint job on the rest of it that's sitting there. You need to get a painter back out. You need to have them do it correctly. This time, they're going to have to strip the paint off, bring it back down to the surface, follow the manufacturer's recommendations for prep, for priming, and repainting. Then you'll be able to move forward and paint it with the rest of the roof over time. Good luck to you on that one. And is that something that you specify in writing uh, to make sure? Because, you know, if somebody did it less than effectively uh, the first time, how do I guarantee that whoever I'm doing this time is going to actually do that? Well, you need to see something in writing, number one. And then I would suggest that people that, that are not experts at this say, show me the paint product that you're using. I want to read the data sheet from the manufacturer that talks about the prep and is this what you're doing to my roof panels? Because otherwise, what you get is the problem that Dana has here. You get the color and it looks good for a while, but over time, the, the installer's gone, the warranty has expired, and they're down the road doing something else and you're biting the bullet to repaint. Question about your home inside or out? You can always reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor at 800-614-2975. And you can email questions to his website, kenthecontractor.com. Our number again, 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's right here, ready to take your calls, questions, and comments about your home inside or out. Reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And don't forget, you can always email your questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com. It's getting to be the time of year that we not only pay attention to the outside of our house, but we're looking at our stuff, sometimes just all the things we've accumulated inside and what we do with it. There are a lot of options out there today. Listen to one of the experts. Our next guest is Lou Cuomo. Now, Lou may not be an unfamiliar name to many of you because Lou and I have had the opportunity to conduct interviews over the last uh, couple of IBS shows as well. But he's the vice president of sales for Closet Made, and he joins us today. Lou, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Ken. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're glad you could be here. I know you've had a very busy uh, several days, and not unlike many other people out here, you're not just here to talk about your product, but you're here to talk to us some things that you're showcasing, maybe some, some tweaks, some new products, some items that all of us as builders, developers, those of you as consumers need to know about. Yes, we have. We debuted a few new uh, programs to make things a little bit easier for our contractors and our subcontractors and, and ultimately the builder, getting product to the builder in a much more streamlined fashion. Quicker, we're uh, reducing our response time not requiring our, our dealers to inventory as much product as they had in the past. Times have changed, so we're helping them out. And it's called Job at a Time, where we'll take an actual closet design, take the uh, the drawings, and produce a an order and ship just what is needed for that particular closet and get it to the subcontractor very quickly so that the subcontractor could take that order and install it. So our uh, design to actual installation is minimized, the time that, that it takes to get the product to the builder and to the end user. And that's what we're trying to do with this uh, new uh, program called Job at a Time. So overall, uh, say I send in a custom order for a whole house, any number of the specialty closet systems that you manufacture, roughly what should I be thinking about from the time the order goes through my contact, my sales rep, 
to you and then back to me. A couple of weeks, and what's good about it is that normally our dealers would maybe, uh, our intent is maybe they can stock the uh, high-volume colors like white or antique and uh, the specialty colors like our cognac and our chocolate pear could be on a job-at-a-time special order. They wouldn't have to inventory all our colors, maybe just a couple of them. Those would be really qu- very quick to install. And then the uh, the other specialty colors may be, uh, be about a two-week lead time. I'll tell you, two weeks, even two to three weeks, is a very rapid turnaround time for custom items in this industry. Mm-hmm. So my hat's off to you for figuring out a way to accelerate that and to be responsive to the builders, the installers, the contractors that are out there, and to the consumer needs. Because many times you're pretty far into a house project before the client makes a final decision Correct. on what they're looking Correct. for there. And we're usually the last thing that goes in the house. You're almost the last. And yeah. at that point, you know, they're all getting anxious, we're saying anxious we're, clo- close. we're close to a closing yep. date. We're close to our CO date. Exactly. And so we don't want to wait three, four, five, six weeks. So two weeks, my hat's off to you for Thanks. making that happen. Yep. What's it the show this year that involves either some tweaking or modifications mm-hmm. or additional accessories? Because I know since... You have started in this industry 45 years ago. That's a long time. It's a long time. It's a long time. You have had many chances to constantly come up with new items, listening to consumer needs. What yes. do you have for us? The beauty about ClosetMate is that we can handle pretty much every storage need and every price point. We started out with wire shelving back in 1965. At that time it was called refrigerator shelving. At the time, no one really understood it. It took a while, really. I can yeah. remember that for it to catch yep. on, but when it did, it was like it, a wildfire. wildfire. Yep, and it was out of out of necessity. You know, back in 1965, air conditioning wasn't as dominant as today, and it, and you had musty closet, uh, you had mold and mildew issues because the circulation in the closet was not happening. So wire shelving provides that ventilation. Now we we have the wire shelving. We have many different types of wire shelving. Probably the most vast line of of wire and different uh, options in wire. But then we also could take and do a custom laminate program called Master Suite, and we can handle the high-end custom closets as well. So we take you from a standard shelf and rod wire closet all the way up to a Master Suite closet. One of the things I noticed at your exhibit yesterday, and as a builder, of course, I'm familiar with this, but is the amount of flexibility that Closet Made has brought into our storage. Several things are happening. One, and I talk to my listeners about this constantly, use your cubic space. Go vertical. Don't just live on the, in the square footage that exactly. you have. And we all know we need to stay flexible as you're raising a family. The kids grow. They leave. Mm-hmm. Now you want to use the space differently. And yep. you're catering to all of that. Yep. It's an adjustable system like with our shelf track. Uh, you could adjust your shelving based on the uh, the needs of that consumer. If it's a children's closet, we could do shelf track and do triple hang and get the most out of that space. And as the child grows, it could adapt to uh, the needs that, uh, that of that uh, individual and, until, they, until they leave the house and it becomes an empty nester. All kinds of flexibility. These components <clears throat> can be interchanged and moved from one closet to the Another. next as your bedroom use or your storage area may change as well. It, the flexibility that we didn't see years ago is here today. It exactly. lets us live in our home and stay in our home and be more comfortable with and satisfy our needs. Now, something else has become really big in the mm-hmm. last few years. That's green building. Yes. So many things at the IBS is about green. Mm-hmm. You're not without being into the green industry as well. Tell us a right. little about that. Well, the wire shelving, oddly enough, is uh, made out of uh, recycled steel. It is a green-friendly product. Chances are it was uh, a, a product that was used 
for something else uh, in the past. Could have been an old uh, an auto and a car hood or whatever. So it could have been that Studebaker yeah, some people exactly, were driving around years exactly. ago. So it's being used again, and it can be reused again after that if there need be. But it is out of recycled, and our builders can get actual points, lead points for using wire shelving. And so it is a green product, and we've got SCS uh, to certify the product. We went through a substantial audit in our factory. We have gotten certification. And uh, we're in the midst of uh, renewing that certification, too. Everybody, everybody's paying attention to the, yep. to, to the green side, even commercial world, looking at LEED certification, the points on residential and commercial. So that's great for all of us to know. Now, Lou, how can listeners get in touch with an authorized dealer in their area? How do they find one if they're just not sure? The best way to do it is to go on uh, our website. That would be www.closetmade.com. And there's all our information is there. Uh, they just uh, enter their, their zip code. And uh, you'll get a list of dealers. Another way is you can call our, uh, our consumer line. You can uh, contact us there, and uh, we'll be able to help you and refer you to a dealer. Or call me. Lou is ready to give you information. He's ready to help you out with whatever your needs happen to be. And I do have to say this. The closet-made product is as flexible as you're going to find when it comes to storage systems. They're proven. They're a leader industry. They were the first in the industry. I have been using these products for a few decades. All I can say is... My hat's off to you for all the flexibility, the way that you're trying to cater to the end user, which is you, the homeowner. Not only do you find the flexibility, but these are items that you don't have to have a general contractor for. So, again, you can go through Closet Made, you can go through their dealer network, and you can have these systems installed by a professional. And in some cases, those of you that are avid do-it-yourselfers, and we talk about this over and over again, you can buy the product, install it as you have time on a weekend, and live in your home so that you enjoy the space. Lou, I want to thank you for joining us thank today. You. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You know, the systems that Lou and I talk about on a, a regular basis makes things so flexible for us in our homes. Our, as our families grow, as our needs change, we can modify not only that walk-in closet in the bedroom, but our pantry, our linen closets, even the garage storage. And I remind you always, let's use our vertical space. Let's don't just use that floor space because we bought it all. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's a Class A licensed contractor who's designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects as well as single family homes. He's here to help you with dealing with issues around your home at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson. He's Ken the Contractor. Ken is here weekends at this time to help you deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. Have a question about your home inside or out? You can always reach us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Let's take a mailbag question right now and uh, deal with an issue that more and more people may be uh, dealing with outside, Ken. And that is more and more they're starting to get out those hoses to wash cars, do some work outside, fire up the sprinkler if they haven't seen enough precipitation. And Rita has a problem with her outside faucet. Yeah, and Rita's writing to us from uh, West Virginia. She says, I have an outside faucet off the garage that is leaking. I did not notice a leak until just recently. Do I need a plumber, or is there an easy way for me to repair it? Good question. A lot of people around the home assume that they cannot make faucet repairs. Almost always you say, I need to call a plumber. And for many of us, a faucet repair can be quite simple. I do want to caution you, Rita, and others that if this is outside your comfort zone, then by all means, always call the appropriate professional. I don't want to encourage you to do something that either you don't feel you have the the skill set or the knowledge or the tools for, and you could create a bigger problem. But in many cases, 
taking care of a faucet leak is fairly simple, especially if you've got a freeze-proof hose bib. Many of those have shut-off valves on the inside. And either rate, you want to shut the water off that feeds that particular water hose connection. There is a packing washer inside these, especially the freeze-proof hose bibs, that you can access. And it's fairly simple for us to repair or replace on our own. Uh, also, some of these will have a, a simple packing washer where you're removing the handle, the actual valve inside that. There are others on the market that are not user-friendly where you can actually replace the packing washer that makes the seal, the connection when you turn the valve, and you may simply have to replace that valve. But generally, it's a threaded connection. If you happen to have one that is a soldered or what plumbers would call a sweated connection, most of us do not want to fool with that. But if you've got a threaded connection, you can take the water hose connection, the faucet off itself, put the clean it properly, put the appropriate uh, uh, materials back on there, the pipe tape so that it doesn't leak, and attach it again. And that takes care of it. But again, don't get outside your comfort zone. I wanted to run through this just briefly for those of you saying, hey, I've got this skill set, or I've got pipe tape, or I've got wrenches, and I don't mind doing this. I've replaced on some type the packing washer before. It's not a big deal. But give it a shot. If you're not comfortable, give that plumber a call. Whatever you do, take care of the water leak because it's costing money, whether it's operating your well and it short cycles because you're losing water there, or you're on a domestic, a city, or a county water system, you're wasting water and you're wasting money. So never put off till tomorrow what you can take care of today. It, the cost and the problem only become higher and bigger. Don't forget, you can always forward your email questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com. One of the things that we get probably the most calls and emails about Roofs. And Sandra has a question that relates to some roof repairs. Yeah, I think roofing is number two right behind fencing for us. So if you're not put, putting fences up or maintaining fencing in your yard, you're dealing with roof leaks. Sandra says, I'm very unhappy about the repairs done to my roof by a local contractor, which shall remain nameless. She's very unhappy. And I wouldn't have named him anyway. I want to tell you that, Sandra. But I want all of you to listen to her question because we've all experienced this or we may. And I'm going to give you some advice. Said we hired this person to replace a section of shingles on our roof and scheduled the work for a time we would be out of town. That's a negative. I'm telling you right now, Sandra, that's a negative. When we came home, we discovered that the new shingles don't match the old ones. He says these are the shingles we ordered, but that's because these are the shingles he specified on the contract. Another negative here. We're going to go through that. It was obvious what he wanted uh, or what we wanted. What can we do? We certainly I will never go out of town during a repair. She's got a compound statement here and some problems that I want all of you to pay attention to. First off, when you are specifying materials, not only do you want it in writing, you don't want to just put shingles down. You want the brand of shingle, you want the color, and you want the number, and you want to see the sample with that information on it so that you and the roofer or your contractor are fully in agreement. Leave absolutely, absolutely no room for misunderstanding or even further discussion. But on your part as the homeowner, what I want you to recognize when you are patching any product or you're repairing, whether it's shingles in this case, it could be siding, it could be touching up painting, that a new product, even if it was a leftover shingle from a bundle, and the shingles have been on five years, it was the original color, the original shingle, they're never going to match perfectly. So as consumers, on behalf of the builder, we need to recognize that. But the way you get the best possible match is that you specify it, it's in writing, you see the sample, you see the markings, the number on that sample, and that the two of you 
agree to it in your quotation, that that's what's being installed. Don't assume the builder is thinking some, the same thing you were when they may have had something else completely in mind. That is issue number one. Number two, don't schedule work on your home and run off and leave for two reasons. One, it's always a good idea to be checking uh, the builder, the subcontractor, uh, whoever's there, first to be sure the right material showed up on the job, and two, that contractor may need access to your home for some reason. There could be some reason they're using, for example, power for nail guns, and the breaker goes off inside the panel and it's in the garage. Now they're down, and they can't do the work, and they've started. Always a good idea to be home or to be available by phone and to be in the general vicinity when work's being done on the home. And I guess the last item that I want to mention here is that the the, the product itself, even though you order the same brand that you may have bought five years ago, it may be ABC roof shingles, and it's the same number. There are different die lots and different runs. Never assume that even though you see it on the ground that it's going to look the same on the roof. You've got air pollution. You've got mold that has developed. You've got all kinds of things that affect these, just the UV rays. And so, again, it goes back to my statement earlier about the color. Talk to each other and then put it all in writing and verify and verify and make yourself available for that contractor or that builder. You're going to eliminate this problem in the future, Sandra, for you and for others. That's a word to the wise. Now, when you're talking about specificity on the contract, you're talking about the uh, X-ray 27 Dash three shingle, you know, because obviously the contractors have has to have some way to identify it with his supplier. You want to specifically not just say something it's like that. It's not that gray one that's in the sample exactly. because there could be two or three shades of gray to gray black. You want to identify that it is the gray sixteen forty two by brand X. You want that written down there. You want to see the same number that the roofer is going to be purchasing. That's the only way you will ever get this right, because if somebody were to tell me, I want you to put a gray shingle, I think they're gray on the house, just you know, bring, me, bring your gray shingle out. Manufacturers produce multiple grays, and different manufacturers will produce different shades. So if it's an old roof that you're trying to match, you want your contractor, your roofer, to bring samples from multiple suppliers out, and you want to color match that as closely as possible if you don't know what's on the roof to that. But again, be willing to accept that it will never look like a brand-new roof. A little like repairing a dent or a damaged fender on your car never looks like the whole paint job. Right. Well, you know, the interesting thing is let's take it to another area where you might just say, all right, give me the gray shingles. You'd never say to somebody painting a room, just get some blue paint. It's always eggshell blue or sky blue or Carolina blue or something along that line. There are certain things that we don't seem to have any problem being very specific about, but other things it's kind of, hey, Ken, put some of those uh, purple uh, uh, shingles up there. That'll look good. But, you know, even when it gets simple, people say, I just want you to paint my ceilings white. Folks, there's probably a 100 different shades of white out there, all with a different number and a different hue when it's all said and done. You can't give your builder or contractor too much information. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach him at 800-614-2975. That wraps up this hour of Ken the Contractor. Join us again next weekend.
you've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.